You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. What an applause. I really have to match that with a good sermon today, don't I? Uh, I'm I'm really excited to share today uh, because I've got technology in front of me that I haven't used before that went flat about 10 minutes ago and had to go find someone else with an iPad to make it work. So this is a great start. But I I am, I I feel like God's given me something today. What what a great start. Amen. Yeah, I've got something to give today. So I said, thank you, Lord. I hate getting on stage and having nothing to give. And then you're like, it's all about faith. And what's that about? You know, but no, God's God's given me something. About about six months ago, I, I was driving my car. I drive a big patrol. I look like I'm about three foot tall in it and I drive like this everywhere. And I'm pulling into a car park. And as I'm pulling into this car park, I'm, I'm looking over the bonnet like this and trying to steer the car in to get in. And I pull in. And, and as I, I pull it, I notice there's a lady in the car alongside me here, and she's going like this at me. And I thought, well, I've just pulled up next to someone who's crazy. And uh, anyway, she's, I, I wound down my window, and uh, I said, oh, are you okay? And she said, you hit me! You hit me! And I said, I didn't hit anybody. She says, no, you hit my car! You hit my car like this. And I said, oh, okay, let's, let's, let's have a look. And I'm thinking, I didn't hit her car, and I've got a bull bar, and it sticks out a bit, right? So... I wouldn't notice if I drove over another car sometimes, like, you know. And anyway, so I, I, I get out of the car and I go look at it and she's like, you hit me. And I said, oh, I, I, I didn't even notice. She says, yes, you did. You hit me. And it's just this onslaught. You know? and, and everything within me is like, oh, no, you know, oh, what, what's going on? And, and I look at the side view mirror and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She goes, oh, you hit me. You hit me. That She just kept saying that. It's a short dialogue. And uh, so I'm looking at the car and I couldn't see any scratches on the car. And I said, oh, look, I can give you my number and, and you can chase me. I'll, I'll pay for it. We'll fix it. We'll get it fixed. You know, I'm, I'm looking. I'm sure wherever it is, it'll buff out. And she said, oh, look, my husband's coming here now. You know, look. And she just crosses her arms and looks out the other window. So I'm standing there. I'm like, how do I deal with this? And the husband comes up. And I said, oh, I, oh excuse me. Excuse me, mate. I, I just hit your car. And I, I can't see anything on it. Your wife was saying I hit it. I didn't, didn't notice. And I'm sorry. And he came up and he went, oh, there's nothing on there. Have a good day. And, and I'm like, and I, anyway, so I walk off and I go into the shops, get my lunch, and I'm just feeling really good about myself. I didn't, I didn't have a go at that lady, you know. A lot of you are probably thinking, as if you wouldn't tell her to be quiet and walk off, you know. That's normally what happens to me, but I was having a fantastic day that day. I woke up, everything was great. God was talking to me about a lot of things, and in all honesty, the whole time in that chat with that lady, I didn't feel any anger towards her. I just felt like I needed to keep giving her this love and grace. Two months ago, no, not even two months, not even a month ago, um, I was chatting with someone and they said something to me that really upset me. And I reacted to that person and I told them what I thought. And it really hurt. This person is very close to me and I love this person. And God was just talking to me. And, and through God, we've been able to restore that relationship and that offense and deal with it. But it made me think. I didn't know that lady in the car. It was so easy to 
give to her because I don't have to deal with that any more than the moment. I can walk away from that. But this person who I love is very close to me hurt me by saying one thing, and it wasn't even a bad thing, but it hurt me and it cut me deep. And I, I reacted and I chose not to give in that. I chose to take and get offended and upset and, and really let that person know that I wasn't happy. Has anyone else been in a situation like that before? Yeah, no one's going to put their hand up, just me. That's all right. I feel that today I am most qualified to talk about relationships because I'm 39 and I've experienced everything and therefore I'm very qualified. No, I, I want to get that off the bat first. I want to say what I've learned in relationships today because I want to talk about relationships. But it's such a big topic, isn't it? And you could talk any way you like about this and so many different avenues and so many different relationships, so many different styles of relationships, so many ways of talking about it. But today I really feel to talk about about giving in relationships and uh, I want to talk today about ordered relationships. Is this, uh, I'm going to make sure the clicker's on, here we go and go. There we go. Is this what you think about when you think about relationships? No. I do sometimes. I, I was listening to a, uh, a video um, the other day. Uh, it was only like, like two months ago. And um, it, was, it was about the future of, our, of the human race and where it was going and, and, and all this. And, and I love that. I love anthropology. I love listening to that sort of stuff. It's, it's really fascinating to me, human behavior over the years and where we're going. And the comment that was made in this video was, every generation thinks that they're the lucky ones to see the end of the world. Every generation thinks that they're the ones who are going to see the end of the world. The world's going to end in our lifetime. The world's going to end. Everyone, every generation has that in it. And the problem with this is that when they think like that, they don't build for the next generation. What do they automatically do? They go, I've got to survive. And they turn into what? Doomsday preppers. Is this? I don't know if this is working. There we go. I like the water to toilet paper ratio in this. Look at that. <laughs> Obviously, shopped at Drake's and got all of those. But they, they think to survive, don't they? They think, think inwardly and they go, I've got to stock up on, on toilet paper and, and one bottle of water. I've got to stock up and, and I need to survive this. I often think, if you survive the apocalypse, what are you coming out into? Like, why would you want to survive that? I'd be like, nah, take me now, I'm done. Like, I don't want to go into that. Do you know, I had this thought years ago. That people that, that struggle with this, because I did, I went through a stage in my life where I was so fearful of end times, and, and I remember my dad telling me as a kid about this, about end times, and he went through the same thing. It, it really consumed me to the point where I could only think inwardly about this, and I was so fearful about the end times. But that it, that it made me think about that so much and so inwardly. I had this thought, and you hear about uh, people in, in poverty, how they use their money, what they have to give, how they use their money is they go every week, Whatever I get, I, I spend for now. And then you, you hear about people in middle class situations with money. What do they do? They get money and they think maybe 10 years ahead. I've got to save. I need, need some money. But people who are wealthy think generations ahead. They think, how do I invest my money for generations to come so that there's money for generations to come? How do I do that? And I thought about this concept with, with this style of thinking as a doomsday prepper. It's like a, a social poverty mentality. Rather than working on my relationships with people, I'm going to work on my way of surviving. 
I'm going to work on surviving through the apocalypse in the end time so that when I come out, I've got, hang on, I've only got what I've got and I have to survive off of that. And it's a continual survival mentality. That sounds like a terrible place to live. I don't want to survive, I want to thrive. We all want to thrive. I don't want to survive. And it's, it's interesting, you watch these videos and you laugh and you, you see people doing that. And, and building everything for their, themselves so that they've got enough to, to, to live on when there's no one around. And you can't enjoy it with everybody. It just seems so crazy to me. Do you know, they, they lose sight of what they, they truly value. And that's where the, the social poverty thought comes in. It's like, rather than valuing a relationship with people, they value their, their survival, don't they? It's like my, my, my true sense of value in what is valuable to me around me is, is lost and they focus on survival. So I want to say this. I, I think that we, we get like that in relationships. We, we get to a point where we lose the true value of what's important in a relationship. Like valuing an offence over a relationship. Have you ever been there before? I just cannot believe that person said that to me. And this is interesting. What you value is what you protect, right? I value my kids. I protect them. I value my marriage. I protect my marriage. I value friendships. I protect that, except when someone offends me. And I go, I'm not going to protect the relationship now. I'm going to protect that offence because that offence I've now just put as a higher value than that relationship. And therefore, I protect that offence. And how do I do that? Constantly think about it. I constantly make sure it's known to everybody else around me. I make sure that that person knows that I'm offended, whether it be verbally or with my eyes every time I look at them. I protect that offence. And what happens? You lose sight of what's most valuable, don't you? We need to become people who are good at appraising things. We need to understand what is really valuable, don't we? I was chatting with a friend the other day and we are looking at something on Facebook Where's Ash gone? He's gone, he's looking for him. We were, we were talking about some stuff and he said, oh, look at this. And there was a sale for RM Williams boots. Who likes RM Williams boots? Like, oh, they are really nice shoes. Um, we know someone who works at RM's. It's, it's really cool. But I, I love these boots. They look fantastic. Just can't afford them. <laughs> and so we were looking at this website. It said, big sale, RM boots for sale. And these boots retail for, I think it's about 750 bucks, right? So I just buy a pair every week. But <laughs> I, I love them. I, I think they, they look fantastic. And so I'm like, what? There's a sale. So I'm like, what's the price of these? And it came up and said there's 60 bucks on sale today, $60. I said, great, where's my wife's credit card? I'll go grab that now, and I'm going to buy these boots. And, and we came back and we're like, hang on a minute. 60 bucks. You're not kidding me. I'm clever enough. This must be a scam. So anyway, we look into it. It's a scam, you know. When can you get $750 boots for 60 bucks? When can you do that? And so I was like, well, (laughs) yeah, maybe. Anyway, so I was like, all right, when can you do that? And and we came to it, we're like, oh, we're not fooled. And we felt really, really smart. But I know the value of these boots. I know that. I, I know that because I'm interested in them and, and, and I, I, I appreciate the value of them and I've, I've looked around and I've gone and looked at other boots and go, they're not the same, they're not made the same. I, I understand the value of them and when someone says $60, I'm like, hang on a minute. But I become what's called somebody who knows how to appraise the value of something. You know, in a relationship that is broken, 
we ask lots of, lots of questions like, why should I keep reaching out? Why do I have to put in the effort? And that's, we ask questions like that when we've, we've lost the value of the relationship. Okay, what, what's the value of this relationship? It's all about what I'm getting. It's like, what am I getting out of this? And we lose sight of the real value of the relationship. And so I want to talk about this this morning. The first thing to stop in a broken relationship is, is giving. It's so true. What would you give to something that gives nothing back? Like this, if someone is constantly saying, uh, like rude to you or, or, or being difficult with you, and they say, are you able to give me a lift? I need a lift to Port Lincoln. How many people are like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you a lift to Port Lincoln, you difficult person. Absolutely. You won't. No one in the same mind would be like, yeah, absolutely. Can I buy you dinner? I'll put you up in a hotel. I think you need some RM boots as well. Let me, uh, let me sort you out. How many of us think like that? We don't. We go, no way. I'm not going to give to you. What are you giving back to me? Would you keep buying dinner for that person that always seems to forget their wallet? Has anyone been out with that? You go out to lunch and like, oh, my wallet. And you just say, oh, you're going to get hungry. It's like, <laughs> like, have you done that before? You're like, oh. How many times can I keep giving to this person if they're going to keep forgetting their wallet? I can't, I can't help them organize themselves. How about this? Why would you forgive someone who in a moment of miscommunication hurt you? Why would you do that? It's an interesting thought for me a lot of the time. I, I, I like to reflect as much as I can and I'd like to say that I'm, I'm good at reflecting but I'm still young and got a lot to learn. But how many times have we been in, in a conversation, we've been hurt, and then automatically thought, oh, hang on, it's just miscommunication right now. I need to go back and fix this and give. A lot of the times we can go, I can't believe they said that, and we react and walk away, and instantly we've lost what we really value, and we stop giving into a relationship. But here's a couple of thoughts that I, I felt God placed on my heart. It's really hard to give when we have stipulations on our giving. It's really hard. I'll only give if this happens. Or I'll only give if I'm getting back. I want a return on my investment. This was me when I was uh, 26. I look like I'm about three foot tall standing next to my mate there again. I'm, little man syndrome is alive and well in me still. We, we went on a surf trip over the York Peninsula and it was, it was probably one of my last trips that I, I actually did. And um, I just remember going over. This, is a, <laughs> this shot is we, we got all our surfboards to make it look like we're really cool and tough. Because in surf magazines, because we used to read magazines back in the day, they had, this is what guys did. They stood out the front like this with all their surfboards. And I think there's only one of my surfboards there. We don't want it to look like they're all mine. But we're standing there like it's a cool shot like this. And uh, anyway, this is one of my last surf trips. And um, what I found is that my surf trips would just sort of get less and less and less. And I became what's called a fair weather surfer. And here in South Australia, any time that surf is any good is during winter, right in the middle of the year when it's cold, it's raining, it's minus six degrees in the water, it's like Arctic winds, and the, the waves are actually really good. But in summer, when it's nice... The waves are about, about this tall, they're non-existent, 
um, the conditions are right, but the waves are not there. And, and I only wanted to surf when it was comfortable. I mean, I, I found that by the time I would get out the backs, like paddle past all the waves, I'd have asthma and I'm dying, I'm hanging on my surfboard like this, and then I'd wait out there for an hour and a half for a wave to come, and then I'd catch one wave and come in and call it a day because I was so tired from paddling for that wave because I hadn't been out for so long. But I became what's called a fair-weather surfer, which means you don't surf anymore here in South Australia. I had all these stipulations. The waves had to be perfect. The weather had to be perfect. I had to have the, the right board. My wetsuit had to make me look thinner. It didn't. It's always weird when you put a wetsuit on, you haven't put one on for a while. After you get it past your hips, you're like, oh, you got to try and get it up over your belly and up around your shoulders. And you're doing this in the car park for like 20 minutes, trying to get warmed up. People think you're stretching to surf, but you're not. You're just going, man, this doesn't, doesn't fit right. And, and when you, like, people can see you like this, but then when you turn side on, you're like, like this. <laughs> and so when you're on your surfboard, you're sort of rocking back and forth like this as well. You know? And uh, it's really uncomfortable. Go put a wetsuit on when you get home. Go and buy one. Experience it for yourself. It's, it's an event. I, and uh, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I've stopped surfing. I don't remember the actual... Uh, last time I went surfing was when I went to row with, with, with you guys. It was a long time ago. And I didn't even surf. It wasn't the right conditions for me. And I'm looking at these waves coming in. I'm like, oh, it's sort of peeling to the left there. It's crashing out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the sun's out, it's warm enough, but no, it looks like there's a trough over there. I don't want to get caught in that. There's a rip there I could catch, but it's not leading me to the wave. And I'm looking at this, examining, going, nah, this is not worth me putting effort into. I've lost all my thoughts on giving on on this one here. I'm just going to sit on the beach. And when I really think about it, I'm just going to sit here on the beach and miss out on something that is so rewarding to me. The first time I went surfing, I went with some friends from school, and I caught this wave and I just thought, this is euphoria. What an absolutely awesome thing to do. And so I gave all of my attention to it and it, it gave back. It was so much fun to surf. I mean, standing on water. How cool is that? Standing on water, catching a wave. There's a big wall of water coming up over your head. Very rarely for me, but like a lot of people get in the barrel. And it's like, this is this amazing thing. And I gave it up because it wasn't the right conditions for me. I gave it up. Says uh, in Luke fifteen four to five, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You know, I've always struggled with this passage. <clears throat> I've I've always thought like, how much can I keep giving to people? Like, how much can I keep? going for this and, and yet the Bible's tell us you leave the 99 you go for that one like how much can I keep giving like there's got to be a point where I stop like when that person is rude to me that's got to be the line right that's where I have to stop giving in this relationship and yet then I keep reading this and it keeps saying no you've got to got to keep going and, and giving and I, I really like this it, it after God places on my heart about giving This really stood out to me where it says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Just think of someone carrying a sheep on their shoulders. It's like a massive sheep afro as they're walking back. And he's got this picture and he's just going, I'm going to come back. He's like rejoicing that he's got this sheep. And I think that that guy's not saying, I'm so happy now because this sheep is now reformed and will not escape. 
and it's learnt its lesson. I'm so happy that I was able to tell this sheep what it did wrong and now it understands and now it won't go away again. It doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say that the sheep is now reformed. The thing that God revealed to me in this passage is that that shepherd was so happy, the connection is not lost. The connection is not lost. He grabs the sheep, walks back. The sheep is probably kicking and bucking on his head too. It's probably like, I want to go off again. And he's just going like this, walking back with a sheep on his head. It's obviously how you carry them. But he, he, he comes back rejoicing that there's a connection there. Not that it's been reformed. And, and I thought, that's the thing. I, I keep giving with stipulations. There was no stipulations on that, that shepherd. He just got up and went. It's like, all right, you guys are right. I'm going to go find that one. And it's all give. It's all give from that shepherd. He had to go and find it. He had to bring it back. It was all about the connection for him. And I, I love that. It says um, in, in Matthew, Matthew tells us this. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You cannot outgive God in a relationship. You cannot outgive God. He just continually gives. And like that sheep that just took off, it's like, it's like us, we just take off and I feel like God is just there going, yep, okay, I see that you're lost, but I want this connection with you. I'm going to keep giving to you. I'm going to keep giving to you until you find it for yourself. But even then, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep giving. It's hard to give when the source we give from is, is unreliable. Have you ever heard of this show called My Strange Addiction? And, and the people on it, you know, they, they eat like dryer sheets or they eat small rocks or uh, what was the other one? Uh, this lady who ate lots of crayons. Have you seen that? And you're like, wow, this is fascinating. And you start thinking about yourself. What do I eat that I shouldn't be eating? You know, like <laughs> too many donuts in the morning. This guy here, he married his car. All right. Yeah, it's interesting. He's quite passionate about that bumper bar there. But this man, he married his car. And when I saw this, I thought, oh, wow, that's odd. Yeah, there was a lot of other thoughts going through my head. But I'm like, wow, that's odd. Like, and I'm thinking, what is he going to get out of that relationship? What is he getting out of marrying a car? I mean, I, I love cars. Glenn, we, like, we talk about cars sometimes like, for ages. I love cars. I don't have anything cool, but, but I love cars. And, and I think, oh, yeah, they're exciting to drive, but I've never thought I'd have a relationship with my car other than look after it and drive it. And this, this man married his car. And I thought, wow, that's, that's so weird. One of the things that someone said when uh, I was watching this on the show, someone said, what is he getting out of that? There's, it's so limited what he's getting out of that. And when the car breaks down, he'd be like, oh, what do I do? And, and, and all these different sorts of things. It's like the relationship he has with that car is something that we cannot generally understand. Like, why would you, why would you seek a relationship with something that is there and isn't there and is, we know is going to deteriorate and all, all of that? Why would you do that? You know, we, we, we constantly think, what is he getting back from it? You know, and, and, and I thought this, you know, we don't, we don't get everything we need in our relationships with, with each other, do we? We don't get everything we need from other people. We get everything we need from God. And this is the thought I, I had when, when I saw this. I thought, we, 
that guy feels so uh, fulfilled in his relationship with his car. It's odd. But sometimes we think in our relationships with people that everything I need is going to come from that person. And the truth is, is that that's actually unreliable because that person can't give you everything you need. And we find ourselves in a place where we're getting frustrated and upset. I've, I've found myself in a place before where I've gone, I don't have anything else to give. Every time I talk to this person, all they want to do is talk about themselves. I can only talk about that person, about themselves so much. I when are we going to talk about me? Like this, like, when are you going to ask me a question? I, I, can't, I can't keep giving. And we constantly look for what we need in a relationship from the other person. And when it doesn't come to us, we find ourselves in a position of, I can't, I can't give anymore because you're not giving back to me. It's unreliable. I, I need more than what you're, you're giving me. I need, need more. And the problem with that is we go, I need what I need from, from these relationships and it's not coming to me. And we forget that what we need comes from God. We need our, our source of giving is to come from God in relationships so that we can continually give. Like that shepherd, he was just so happy because he knew the value, right? But his source was not from the sheep. His source was from God to go, this is my calling. I need to go and find that sheep. And it's the same in, in our relationships that are unreliable. We need to go, okay, if I'm not getting out of this relationship, I need to give. And where can I get that from? What is the source of my giving where is it coming from? And it should come from, from God. If what I have to give comes from people alone, it will just never be enough. Um, Proverbs 18 tells us this. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. It's so true. It's so true. First Peter 5.10 tells us this. It says, and the God of all grace who called you to this eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. You know, I want to be firm and steadfast in relationships. I don't want to be that person that you don't know what you're going to meet one morning to the next. I don't want to be that person that when you say hello, I'm just like, Rawr! and bite your head off. And then the next day I say hello and I've got like a full box of chocolates for you and I bought you a car and you're just like, I can't ride this roller coaster anymore. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person who's steadfast in a relationship that continues to be constantly giving in what God has called me. And, and I love this. It says, after you have suffered a little while, for some of us, we'd be thinking, what does God mean by a little while? <laughs> because cause my little while could be this, or God's little while. God doesn't have constraints in time. So I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, how long could this be? How long do I put up with this? But he says, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. It's such a great scripture to remind us of that. I'm, I'm so looking for this person to, to restore me. It's like, no, God wants us to rely on him for restoration so that we can give from the ultimate giver. The other problem we have with, with relationships that are unreliable is that the source is just limited. We're only human, aren't we? And it makes it so hard. It's so hard to give when we believe that our source is, is limited. Have you heard this story? This is um, the allegory of the, the long spoon. And um, there's a guy here. This is, um, it's an old fable, but this guy, he's got chopsticks. 
and there's a, a dim sim on the end there, and uh, he's trying to eat it. He can't get it to his mouth. So the story goes like this. I heard, I heard a gentleman share it years ago um, in, in, in a Jewish context. They share it. And I thought it was fascinating. He said, oh, Abraham was walking around one time, and he said, Lord, um, can you show me heaven and hell? And uh, the Lord said, absolutely, come with me. So he grabs Abraham, and they go up. And there's this table, and around the table there's, there's all these people, and there's food, like every food you can imagine, all over the table. And everybody's got these, these spoons, and they're strapped to their arms, and these spoons come out really far. And, and you're watching these people eat, and they're going like this. They're getting the, the food, and they're going, and they're, they're trying to get it in their mouth. And, and they're like, oh, and, and everyone's getting frustrated. And people are banging the table, and people are flipping the table, and people are waving these ladles around. And uh, the Lord said to Abraham, so this is, this is hell. I'll show you heaven. And, and he says that they, they basically just turn around, and then there's another table. And on this table, there was all this food all over the table, just like the table that we'd seen over here. And everybody had these spoons strapped to their arms again, really long. And everybody was getting the food and feeding someone else. And they kept doing this. And everyone's going, this is great. This feeding someone else. And then they're getting fed and everyone's really happy. And they just, this is the best thing ever, just continually serving everybody else. What a great story, isn't it? You're like, oh, wow. It's like, would I do that? What's your first thought? And, and, and this is what comes out of the story. Some people are thinking, what if I don't get fed? What if I keep giving, right? And it's like, yeah, you have some ice cream. You have, yeah, you have this, all of that. And then when someone goes to give me something, it's like it's all gone. And, and this is the thing in that story. It, it never, never disappeared because everybody was so conscious of giving to everybody else that they constantly looked around to make sure everybody had some the complete opposite to the other side where everybody was looking to feed themselves and wasn't getting anything. It's a really cool story. What if I give and it all runs out? What will be left for me? Matthew 10, 8 says this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pain, give without pay. This passage is when Jesus sends out the disciples and he says, I want you to go out and experience this. I want you to go out and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, all of that, cast out demons, the whole lot. And, and the disciples go out, right? And they come back. And when they come back, they're just like, I can't, I can't believe what just happened. This was fantastic. It's like the, the time of my life, I enjoyed it. And Jesus is there and he's like, yes, I know, it was so great. And they, they went out, not even thinking Actually, I'm sure they would have been thinking, what's going to happen if it doesn't work? But they went out and they gave out of what? Out of faith. They did, he said, Jesus said, don't take any money with you. Don't take anything like that. Just go and, and do it. Go and do it. And they come back and they are like energized. They are so motivated and passionate to, to continue doing this, aren't they? They're like, oh, I can't believe this. I'm going to go do this. And, and, and it's so exciting. And now I just want to do it. And when I read this passage, I, I, I thought, this is so like this. Who remembers doing Gen Next? Was it Gen Connect? I always want to say Gen Next, Next Gen. It's a training gym, but Gen Connect. So many stories came back to me of people going, man, that was really fun. That was really good. You know, when people signed up to do this, they had to think in their head, one, 
who am I going to be connected with? And am I going to be able to do it if I'm connected with someone I, d I don't know? But no one joined up to this going, all right, what am I going to get from the other person? Everybody joined up going, okay, I want to do this because this is beneficial. And the results of that were great. People gave to other people, but people formed relationships through this and friendships through this because they first gave. They first gave. They, they went in and did it. And that passage in Matthew 10, uh, 5 to 8, there, it, other translations say, freely give as you have freely received. And I love that. Freely give as you have freely received. Do you know, this, this thought of, of our giving being limited and protecting ourselves is such a, a worldly way of thinking. The world will tell you so much that you need to have self-preservation as a priority in your life. That you need to be careful because you'll give, you'll give to the church and then you'll be there 17 days a week. The world's not very good at maths. And that you'll be there like all day. Or the world will say in a, in a relationship, you know, these, these toxic relationships. Yes, there are people that are unwell, but they say a toxic relationship. You've got to cut it off and walk away. And, and, and I get it. There's, there's situations that I'm not talking about right now. There are relationships that are quite awful. And I want to say this. I'm not talking about giving from the point of view of you give your car, you give money, you give things, all that stuff. I'm talking about giving what God's giving to you. What is God giving to you to give in those relationships? I've had some incredibly interesting relationships over the years. Um, and there's so many that I have justified in myself that I just needed to walk away from. But God's really revealed something in me. It's like, I can, I can walk away when it's, it's unhealthy, yes. But God wants me to continually give in love in the same way that he does with all of us. What stipulations does God place on his giving to us? When does God stop giving to us? He's like the master giver. You can't, you can't outgive him, can you? But I, I think like this. You, you find yourself in a place where you're like, I don't have any more to give. And I shared about being that sometimes it's, it's a lot of, I'm looking for what I need from my relationships around me. And I'm not saying you can't. God talks through us to other people. That's, that's absolutely true. But our source needs to be from God. That needs to be our consistent source. And when you find yourself in a place where you're like, I don't have any more to give. I don't have any more to give. That's when you go, I need to turn to God. I heard someone share recently this. I love it. The greatest gift I have been given is the ability to give. And when you, when you hear that, it's like, yes, but what if I don't have anything to give? What if I don't have anything to give? Then you need to turn to this. I, I love it. Someone shared this, and then they said this. I said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Prayer is a fantastic thing but I love what it says in here. And it says, give us this day our daily bread. What is that daily bread? It's, it's what I need to get through the day. 
Some days I get to some yeah, some days I get to lunch and I think, Lord, I've eaten all that bread, I have nothing more to give to that person who was annoying me. And I, I need to pray again, Lord, I need more than enough daily bread today to deal with this so that I can continue to give in this relationship. I need to give. Giving is the key. Amen. I'll get the band to come up now. That'd be great. I want you to think about this today. And, and I know everybody's situations are different and we all have different relationships, but God is calling you to give because God is in relationship with all of us and those people that we're in relationship with. And what does he do in those relationships? He continues to give. So today I want to pray as the band's coming up. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who longs to give to us, that you long to have a relationship with us. And today, Lord, I ask that uh, the thoughts that, that we're having today about particular relationships, Lord, those broken relationships that, that we, uh, we're struggling with, or whether we're at a point in our, our lives, Lord, where we feel like we have nothing else to give, Lord, that we would turn to you, that we would ask from you, Lord, those things that we need. And so, Lord, give us today our daily bread, Lord. Help us to leave here today uh, with a, a, a new thought in you, Lord, on what you want us to give in those relationships, Lord. Lord, I, I speak restoration over relationships today, Lord, those relationships that, that may be broken and feel like they are at the end of, of what they can be, Lord, but I speak restoration back into those, Lord. I speak for family members that have fallen away and that where it feels like there's no connection. I pray for that connection to be restored, that your love can be present in that, Father God. Help us to be the best example of your love to everybody we meet, Lord, in every relationship we have, Father God. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.